Well, good morning. You've already heard a sermon in music this morning. Did you know that? Thank you, Christian. One thing about Christian, what you see is what you get. And I say amen. He, uh, if I had a teenager, I would be thrilled about he and Becca being their mentors in youth group because they're real people and they're godly people. And we're so glad that God sent them here. So thank you, Christian, for leading us and for being so humble and singing from the heart this morning. Do you like September? I love September. This is my favorite month. Blue skies, low dew point, low humidity, beautiful, cool mornings, warm afternoons. It just doesn't get any better than that, does it? And yet you chose to come to church this morning instead of going somewhere else. So I'm glad. Good to see you this morning. And uh, if you're joining us online today, we welcome you as well. I have a friend of mine, Ed, over here this morning. I'm going to embarrass him a little bit, but we're good friends. I can get by with that. Good to see him. Good to see Marshall and Callie right behind him. They're getting married in three weeks, so pray for them. They're all excited, and Marshall's dead. Uh, Dr. Kaiser there has been coming here for a while, so welcome to you guys. There are others here this morning. You may not know them uh, that are probably guests, and I didn't get a chance to greet you, but welcome. And John has already done a great job. Doesn't he do a great job with announcements? I think he ought to do those uh, often. I also want to say <clears throat> thanks to the people behind the scenes who make everything work on Sunday morning. Lots of times we come in and we leave, we have no clue what it takes to put together a service uh, during the week. And uh, there's lots of things behind the scene. There are lots of things uh, that go on uh, all through the week. And, and as a shepherd, uh, and I think I can speak for John, we, we're so thrilled that our sheep are back together. That year of being separated and now we're back in ministry and we're reaching out to people. And so we praise the Lord as, as, as Christian was praying this morning. We need to focus on the good things that are happening, don't we? There's plenty in this world that's bad and evil and we get bombarded with it. But let's thank the Lord for the good things that are happening. And there are plenty of them happening here at Trinity. And so if you're new with us this morning, we're really glad. Don't think that we have forgotten the foyer project, by the way. People ask me, when in the world are you going to do something? Well, we're working on it, okay? And we have a construction team we put together. Hopefully in October you're going to hear something from that group. And so it's coming. Don't, I know we've been talking about it for years. Uh, and by the way, the building fund is open. If you want to contribute little or a lot, we'd love it and we'd be thankful and we'll get it accomplished. So... Uh, more about that later on. So this morning, I'm changing my administrative hat to my preaching hat. It's really the same hat. You know, when God called me to ministry, uh, I submitted to him to do whatever he called me to do. And I've had a variety of, of things that I've done in ministry, but nothing tops preaching the Word of God. If God has called you to preach and put that in your heart, there's nothing that takes the place of standing in front of a group of people and communicating God's truth. So I'm thankful for the opportunity this morning. Um, <clears throat> as I listen to John's preaching, you know, when, when you listen to preaching and you're a preacher, it sharpens you. And it, it makes you, your mind is constantly thinking of truths. And, and I 
so appreciated his last series. And, and so I was thinking of some basic truths that we once held firm in our society that are being attacked and washed away, as he has been doing so well the last several months. And so I was thinking of some basic things that I learned as a young person, as a young believer, that I'd like to pass to young believers. So this series that I'm about to, um, to get into is, is for younger people. But as you know, as an older person, you never quit learning, or at least you shouldn't. So um, it's, it's largely for people, I'll say 25 and younger. But you can all, And by the way, it's for parents too. So as, as I communicate with your children, I want to help you be able to communicate with them as well. So before we get started today, <clears throat> I hope you will allow me, because I'm going to anyway. So I, I'm going to tell a story about my grandpa. My grandfather was an early century baby, 1900 that is. He was born in January of 1900. His name was P.N. Cockrum, Pearl Nason. So he didn't like Pearl, so he went by P.N. Now, who would name their son Pearl? I don't know. That's that's almost as bad as a boy named Sue, isn't it? Well, you probably can't talk about stuff like that anymore, so I'll just uh, stop there. But he, he really didn't like his name Pearl. So he went by P.N., my other grandfather was W.G. Underwood, Walter Guy, but he, maybe it was just a thing back then. People went by their initials. But uh, both of my grandfathers were born in 1900. I could always keep up with their age. I knew exactly how old, if I knew their birthday, I knew how old they were. And my, my dad's dad, Grandpa Underwood, lived to be 99.75. Three months shy of a hundred. My other grandfather lived to 84. I did the average here, 91.875. I don't know if I'll make it that long. I think the Lord's coming before then anyway, but that's pretty good genetics, isn't it? Of course, that doesn't mean anything because they both died with a full head of white hair. So you, you can throw all that out. But I have often thought of my grandfather's. And probably the older I get, the more I think about them. Because I think of all the things, I think of the things I've seen in my life. And we think of how our world has changed in the last ten years, five years, one year. But think of all the things that a man saw who lived a hundred years. Then you think of Bible people who lived hundreds of years. And you began to put life in perspective because no matter how long you live, life is very brief. It's moving at an alarming rate, isn't it? Don't you sense that? The older you get, the faster it goes. Makes no sense to me, but that's just the way it is. So here were my grandfathers living a hundred years, one of them. One of them had, uh, they literally, by the way, went from horse and buggy to going to the moon to the space shuttle, and, and all the things that happened in their lives, just incredible. 
The things that, that they saw. My, my grandpa Cockrum had a Model T Ford. And I grew up in Floyd County, so he would start, anybody know where Woolwine Mountain is, coming up Route 8 from Woolwine to Floyd? He'd get halfway up the mountain, and that old truck would, would quit because it had an updraft carburetor, and he was going uphill, and it would stop picking up fuel. So what did he do? He pulled over and got on his cell phone and called uh, AAA to come and pull him the rest of the way. Wrong. He turned it around in the road, drifted it until it started, and then backed the rest of the way up the mountain. <laughs> what he had to do. Wasn't perfect, but it was better than a horse. And by the way, you know why my grandfather drove a Ford? Because there was no such thing as a Chevrolet back then. I just thought I would mention that. So, my... My grandpa Cockrum, in particular, had very little public education. Kids, listen to this. First week of the first grade, his dad pulled him out of school so he could help work in the fields and bring in the harvest. First week of the second grade, same thing. When the, you know, the harvest was survival for the winter. You didn't have food, you didn't survive. And you might not survive anyway. It was that hard. Third grade, first week of the third, he got pulled out of school. He never had very much formal education. And by the way, education is very important. Don't you dare think that I am anti-education. I am not. I'm anti-indoctrination, but I am pro-education. So my father, my, my grandfather had very little formal education, but he was one of the wisest men that I ever met. I remember as a child, almost every Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, we'd go to visit my grandparents, one set or the other. You remember that when you were younger, if you're blessed with your grandparents to live nearby? You, you spent time with him. I was mesmerized by the stories that my grandfather would tell. He wasn't a big talker, so when he was telling something, you, you had to be quiet and listen. But when he spoke, it was full of wisdom. The things that he could do that I thought, and, and back then I, I was, it was kind of romantic to me because you know I always thought I'd like to live when he lived and when he grew up until I found out how hard it was and I changed my mind. You know, people these days say these are the hardest times we've ever seen. That's ridiculous. He lived through the 1918 pandemic, the flu pandemic that killed 50 million people. Had uh, pneumonia and almost died himself, but he lived through it. I can take you to graves in Floyd County where the whole family is laid out from the flu pandemic. Every winter was survival, and if you weren't wise, you wouldn't survive. Listen to this. Grandma and Grandpa raised 12 kids. Try that. We have some that are working on that. Congratulations to the Austins this week. And also to, to the winners. The, we, we didn't mention the winners, child. But, you know, that's a lot of mouths to feed. That's quite a ch- Twelve kids he and Grandma raised in the middle of the Depression. The Depression. The Great Depression. 
when nobody had work. You just had to, to do whatever was required to survive. And he raised all of his kids. They all uh, grew into good citizens. They all are, are good people. And it's just a tribute to the, to the uh, home that, that they grew up in. Now, here are a few things that my grandfather knew, even though he had very little education, public education, formal education. He had one apple tree in his orchard that had seven varieties of apples because he knew how to graft apples. Spring of the year, when the leaf is the size of a squirrel's ear, You cut one limb off, you take a limb from another tree, you split the limb, you insert that limb in there, and you wrap a string around it, seal it with paraffin wax, and pray that it takes. If it does, and lots of times it doesn't, but if you're really good and it does, and timing is everything, he had one apple tree with seven varieties of apples, a unique orchard. Apples, peaches, he could grow anything, and he could grow enough most years, to get his family through the winter. Work ethic. He worked hard, and his family worked hard. And, you know, the boys went to the field, and the girls helped cook three meals a day. That's, that's how life was back then. He grew uh, vegetables. He grew fruit. And by the way, in order to survive, he made a very sought-after product out of that fruit called apple and peach brandy. And people came from miles around to get Grandpa's brandy. And I'm not ashamed of that. It was before Prohibition. It was what he had to do to feed his family and survive, and he did it. And when Prohibition rolled around, he stopped because he didn't want to go to prison and have Grandma raising all those 12 kids. There's a book called The Man Who Moved a Mountain. Maybe you've read it. That's, that's about my heritage and about uh, what was going on in Floyd County during those very difficult days. You ought to get it and read it. Very interesting what men had to do to survive and feed their families. My grandfather was also a beekeeper. Fifty hives of bees he had at one time. Did you know... By the way, I saw something on the news recently that they put a hive of bees in Battery Park in New York City to try to teach people the importance of bees. Did you know that if we didn't have bees, we would have no food? No bees, no food. And they're trying to teach... My grandpa knew that a hundred years ago. He, he had... Fifty, he called them, stands of bees. He could follow a bee from water to the, to the tree where uh, his hive was, cut down the tree, rob the honey, domesticate the bees, and take them back and put them to work in, in his bee farm. I thought that was amazing. He grew his own corn and wheat. He, grew his, uh, he ground his own meal and flour He made uh, his own bread, he raised his meat and eggs, uh, and he had enough to make it through the winter. He built his own house, listen to this, and never had a mortgage. At age 24, he had a paid-for house. You know how he built it? He went out in the woods, cut a tree, went to to his sawmills, 
sawed the lumber and built his house. No permits, no perk tests, no inspections, no taxes. And I always thought that was the way a man ought to live. Just go out in the woods and build your own house. And by the way, I was in it on Monday after a family funeral. And my aunt owns it and has remodeled it and it's beautiful and it's still standing a hundred years later. He never had a mortgage, never had a car payment or any other kind of debt. And some people would say he was just an uneducated mountaineer. And Dave Ramsey has made a fortune talking about people like him, saying that we talk to you, you know what he says, like your grandma did, except we keep our teeth in, about people who made do with what they had, didn't overextend themselves, trying to be like everybody else and please people they don't even like or impress people they don't. They just got the job done, raised their family, and by the way, every family was that way. You know, nobody really had much, and it was okay, because everybody was the same, and it was a totally different society than what we live in. Hard, but good. So, I used to sit for hours and listen to Grandpa talk about old times. And I wish I could do it again. I wish I had recorded it for my kids. Thankfully, I did record some of it. And I'm sharing it with you. And I share it with others. But, my grandfather's wisdom came mostly from experience in life. And from interacting with God in his creation. It was God that taught him. He knew that. It was God he depended on. You go out and play in a field of corn that's going to get your family through the winter and a drought hits, you do some serious praying. And you realize when the rain comes who it came from. It came from God Almighty who blessed you. And, and it totally changes the way you look at life and the way you look at Him. So, thank you for letting me share that illustration. I could share a lot more, but I won't. By the way, my other grandfather was a deputy sheriff. So, my dad's dad was a moonshiner. My mom's dad was a deputy sheriff. Can you imagine the talk at that wedding? And now you know why I'm so complex. Because I'm a little of both of them. And, and I think it's great. So... My mom said I'd have been more like my dad's side than, my, than her side, by the way, if I hadn't gotten saved at a young age. And that's probably true. Now, to those of you who are in school gaining knowledge, there's more to life than just formal education. Although formal education is very important, but you have these days you have to sift through it all. You know, you the day of of taking a, a teacher, and, and by the way, I'm not condemning teachers. In fact, if you're a teacher or you have been a teacher, uh, I want you just to stand for a minute. Would you do that for me? If you're a teacher or you have been a teacher, just, just stand for a minute, okay? Or Now, homeschoolers, 
See, you, you probably learned some things about people. You, you can be seated. Aren't you glad that your students have people like this to teach them today? Now, our kids went to some Christian school and some public school, but I'm so thankful for the Christians who were in public school and who were an encouraged people I could trust, people who would tell me what was really going on. And, and we prayed for them and encouraged them on a regular basis. We were so, and we're thankful for you. So we know the deal. It's not the teachers. So, but students, you have to be so careful. You have to, you have to screen everything that you hear through the Word of God. What do I know? What, what have I been taught about God? What have I learned? And what is my worldview, as John was talking about last week? So few have a biblical worldview. Everything that I hear ought to be screened, first of all, through the Word of God. And then secondly, it should be screened through everything that I've been taught in my life. That doesn't match up with what mom and dad said. That doesn't match up with what grandma and grandpa taught me. You know, and learn to think for yourself. Do not just ingest everything that you hear. If you do, you will be no different than the world in which we live. And God has called us to be different. And we want to help you as you go through that process. Ask questions. You come, you come and ask me what I think about socialism. We'll have a good discussion. It'll be an honest discussion about truth, and somewhere in there I'll probably put my opinion in too. But listen, let's talk about these things. Let's, let's talk about gender issues. Let's talk about all these things that you're confronted with on a daily basis. We want to help, and so do lots of other people in this room this morning. Folks, if, if we're going to stand and we're going to get the job done, we're going to need each other more and more. And we might as well lay all the pretense aside and admit our faults. The church is not perfect because it's full of imperfect people, including pastors. But we will try our best to tell you the truth and to tell you what God says. And then we'll help you to make your decisions and to, to decide what you believe and why. So important. So knowledge is good. And by the way, the, the, the series for the next three or four weeks is this. Truths you probably won't learn in school. Now there's a caveat in there. Because you have a Christian teacher maybe. Or you have somebody, or maybe you're in a, a, a school where, based upon the word, maybe your mom and dad teach you at home. So I had to put that in there. Truths you probably won't learn in school, but you sometimes learn truth from the least likely places. It might be the coach on the football team. It might be somebody else that God has placed in your life, in that school, and you will be surprised where God puts Christians. So, don't throw it all out. I'm going to talk about the difference in knowledge and wisdom the next few weeks. Plato said, Wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools speak because they have to say something. Very true. Sometimes people, the fewest words are the words that are worth listening to. By the way, there's one thing my grandfather told me that I never forgot. Never. And that's this. 
Son, you make your bed hard, you're going to have to sleep in it. I've never forgotten that. All the way through school, all the way through dating, all the way through life, I remember that. You make your bed hard. Don't blame it on somebody else. You made the decision. Everybody wants to blame somebody else. Own it. You make your bed hard, you've got to sleep in it. I like this quote. Never mistake knowledge for wisdom. One helps you make a living, the other helps you make a life. I don't know who Sandra Carey is, but I like that quote. C.S. Lewis said, the, ne- the next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. And to ha- I would add to that, and to have enough sense to go and talk to them and respect what they say and listen to them. Now, by the way, as you get older, you don't have to do everything everybody says, but you better listen to good advice, and you better listen to wisdom, because you're going to have to sleep in that bed that you make. Wise words from a grandfather. Now, there's lots of knowledge. There's knowledge everywhere, isn't there? The source of truth is God himself. There's no other truth except what God has revealed. So God has revealed, in a sense, you could say all knowledge goes back to him, but there's some knowledge that doesn't come from him. There's a lot of knowledge in this world that you don't want to get. And there are people who make it their life's ambition to communicate things directly opposed to what we're about to hear in this book, and you need to understand that. You need to be discerning. There are some kinds of knowledge you do not want to get and understand. But the source of wisdom is only God himself. You, you, you have a professor who may have a lot of knowledge, but he may not have a lick of wisdom because he doesn't know God. You have very intelligent people who uh, are experts on all kinds of issues, and they may be very smart, and they may be very sharp, and they may be able to get up and convince you and talk about all kinds of subjects, but they may not have one ounce of wisdom. And then here's an old hillbilly who grew up uh, seeing God in his creation who comes along with no education at all or very little who can impart wisdom gleaned from a life watching God work in his life and living in his creation. So you see there's more than one way to learn. You can learn from anybody. So when your dad says... Son, did you think about, I know, Dad. You need to wipe those two words out of your vocabulary, okay? I'm just telling you right now. He may have told you ten times. He may have told you a hundred times. But just listen. Just listen. You'll be amazed what you learn. There's one source of wisdom. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all, how? Liberally, generously. And without reproach, he'll never, he'll never condemn you for asking, 
for wisdom and knowledge, and neither will anybody else who really wants to impart wisdom, and it'll be given him. I always thought that was the greatest understatement in the Bible. If any of you lack wisdom. Who of us does not lack wisdom? You may have lived a hundred years, but you still need wisdom. You may have lived 50, 60, 70, but you can still learn. In fact, uh, you sh- we should learn till we die. I still learn all the time. I, l- I love to learn. I love to do things I haven't done before and have a new experience and learn something from somebody who knows more about something than I do. And as we go through life, we need wisdom from lots of sources, but ultimately it comes from God Almighty. That's the source of wisdom. He has a monopoly on wisdom, but he's ready to share it if we'll just ask. Think of, think of the day in which we live, all this resource of wisdom that no one's asking for. God has it all, and we've written him out of society, we've written him off, we've pushed him to the back, we've, we've uh, done away with God, and, our, and here he is with all this wisdom, he could solve every problem that the human race has, and we don't care, we don't want to hear lots of times. What a waste. So wisdom is available. How do you get wisdom? Well, you get to know God. How do you get to know God? Well you get to know his word. I love the songs we sang this morning. They were all about him. Did you notice that? They were all about God, who he is. How many songs have been written and yet we cannot begin to exhaust talking about how great God is and who he is and, and all the attributes of God that we sing about. And, but isn't it refreshing? to come away from the world and come in this room and sing about God together and lift our voices to Him and know that He ultimately is the answer to every need in our life because we know that from His Word. Now, in order to be wise, you first have to admit what you don't know. Did you hear about the young boy who said he was going to join the Marines? And his dad said, son, have you thought about... I know, dad. I know. I know all about that. Well, son, have you considered where you'll be sent? I know, dad. Stop telling me what to do. I'm going to join the Marines because I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Well, guess what happens when you step off the bus at boot camp? Somebody in a very loud voice who's not always nice, is going to tell you what to do from the day you step foot in boot camp to the day that you leave. He didn't think through that very well, did he? And sometimes we approach life the same way. So in order to gain wisdom, you must first admit what you do not know. That's the beginning. Now, how... Do I become wise? I'm in the book of Proverbs this morning. If you want to turn to Proverbs 1 with me. We're going to spend some time largely in Proverbs the next few weeks. And we begin here at the beginning, of course. Proverbs 1.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding, 
to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice. Everybody wants to know about justice these days. God knows all about justice. And he'll teach us if we'll listen. Judgment, equity, isn't that amazing? These are the things that people are talking about today. It's right in front of us and nobody cares. They, they've pushed God out, they've pushed his word out, and then they want to know the source of, of uh, wisdom for all these issues, and it's right here before us. To give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. We're going to um, learn from some wise men the next few weeks. At least I hope we do. I know I've learned a lot. Do you know when I realized how little I knew about the Bible? When I graduated from Bible college after five years of intense study of every book of the Bible, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to go back and go through it all again. Well, I really didn't want to go through it all again. But I felt like I needed to. So then I just began to learn how to study the Word of God. I just began to learn how to apply it to my life. One hundred, my bachelor's degree was five years, 167 credit hours, 16 and a half credit, 16.7 credit hours per semester for 10 semesters. The books that I read, the papers I wrote for every class, it was, it was so intense. If you think theological education is easy and, and simple, you're wrong. And by the way, now you get two degrees for that, for that one degree, and you should. But it was then that I realized how little I knew about God and His Word after five years of intense study. So the, the, the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge about God is a lifelong pursuit. I'm still learning. John will tell you the same. We learn all the time. You know when we learn? When we dig in to teach you. That's when you learn, when you teach somebody else. And then you look at your life and say, am I living what I'm teaching? Because if I'm not, I can't get up and tell anybody else. So Solomon basically wrote the book of Proverbs. He wrote 29 chapters except for 23 and 24. And then there were two other men mentioned, Agur and Lemuel. Uh, Lemuel wrote Proverbs 30 and 31. Actually, he pretty much quoted his mother in those chapters. But Solomon wrote the vast majority. Now, hold your place in Proverbs and turn back to 1 Kings for a moment. The historic books are rich, by the way. You want to read something rich for your devotions? Read the historic books. Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. Full of amazing truth and, and how to apply truth to life. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 4 and 29. I'm going to let you dig a little bit. I'm not going to put it on the screen. 4 and 29. This tells us about Solomon and his wisdom. 1 Kings 4, 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom. Who gave Solomon wisdom? 
God gave Solomon wisdom. God gave Solomon wisdom and an exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart. He put within Solomon a desire to help people and to be generous with what God was teaching him. Like the sand on the seashore. Think about that. And God gave Solomon, uh, uh, pardon me, verse 30. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the, the wisdom of all the men of the east and the wisdom of Egypt. That's quite a statement. Because there were all kind of so-called wise men who people would go to to, to find out the, the, what they should do and the, how to live life and the truth. But Solomon exceeded them all. He was wiser than all of them. And there's a list here. His, he was so wise that his fame went to surrounding nations. Everybody knew that Solomon was uh, the, the wisest man on earth. He spoke 3,000 proverbs... And his songs were a thousand and five. And we only have 800 of them recorded in the book of Proverbs. Out of 3,000. So, he was a wise man. Now, how did he become wise? Well, back up just for a moment. Chapter 3 of 1 Kings and verse 5. This is a great story. See what you learn when you read... The Old Testament, and you think it's boring. It's not boring at all. At, at Gibeon, verse 5, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask. What can I give you, Solomon? Would you like to have a dream like that? I would love to have a dream like that. And the Lord says, what do you... you by the way, God says that to us every day. What do you need? Ask, and then find it right here. It's available. The same with God took the wisdom He gave Solomon and had Solomon write it down for us to read and others. So He asked Solomon, What can I give you, Solomon? You ask me for anything. And this shows you the wisdom of this man. Solomon said, You've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart. Uh, and you have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son, that was Solomon, to sit on uh, the throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king instead of my father David. Now listen to this. Here's the secret to his wisdom. But I am a little child. Look at the humility. Look at his openness with God. God, I don't have a clue how to run this nation. Wouldn't you love for some people in Washington to say that? Don't get me started. We wonder where our problems are. I do not know how to go out or come in. Lord, now he, he grew up in the king's house. David was his father. And yet he felt like he still didn't know anything. So he humbled himself before God and said, God, you've put me in this, this position. I have no clue why. I'm so incapable. I'm, I, I'm so lacking. I need you so much. And that was the secret. 
And so he continued to ask God. He said, your servants in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted, overwhelming. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked. And God said, because you've asked for wisdom... And have not asked for long life for yourself, or for riches for yourself, nor have asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you, neither shall any like you arise after you. And now you know the secret to wisdom. Before you can attain wisdom, you have to realize how little you know and how little you're able to do what God gives you to do in life without Him. If you don't get anything else from this series, that's worth it. Whatever God calls us to do, He's called us because He wants to do that through us. And if we're wise, we will bow our knee to him, and we will say to him, Lord, I cannot do this about without you. By the way, there, I could go on and on in the book of Kings about Solomon and about his wisdom. You ought to read the story of the Queen of Sheba and some others uh, about Solomon and his wisdom. Now, with all that wisdom, he didn't quite have enough. Solomon didn't finish well. You go read the book of Ecclesiastes and you'll read about the regrets of Solomon. Solomon knew what God said, yet he had 700 wives and as our professor used to say, and 300 Las Vegas extras on the side. Set a thousand women. Somebody said that the reason he didn't do well in his old age is because he was exhausted. Raising all those families. Can you imagine looking after all those kids and all those families and, and all that he brought upon himself that eventually drew him away from this heart for God that he had when he was young. So, doesn't matter how old you are, you, you may not finish well. We need to keep going back to God and saying, Lord, I, I need your wisdom. I need you. No matter what age you are, young or older, we're always just one decision away from ruining our lives. So, lots of wisdom from Solomon. Now, to be wise, very quickly, you're here this morning, I'm assuming, saying, I'd like some of this wisdom. I hope you are. You'd be foolish not to. How can I become wise? Well, it begins with listening to the Word of God. And when I say listen, I mean taking in the Word of God, not just coming and listening to a message on Sunday morning. That's a good start, and we're glad you're here, and we're thankful that you come. And we hope you take what you learn and apply it. But then you need to start feeding yourself, developing a desire for the Word, a hunger for the Word, a hunger for wisdom. God is the source of all we You need to know something. He knows, because He created you. He put you on this earth, and He knows you in particular better than anybody else and better than you know yourself. 
So you need to get into the Word, make a habit of the Word, reading the Word, meditating on the Word, memorizing the Word. And if you do that at a young age, if you do it when you're it will serve you so well through life. Going to the well of God's Word every day. Make it a good habit. And there's so many tools today. You can, you can listen to the Word while you're mowing the lawn. What a boring job. You can listen to the Word while you're uh, working, maybe, if, if it's allowed and it's appropriate. Yeah, there's so many tools that you can use today to listen to the Word and get into it. Young people, here's the second way to become wise. Listen to your parents. And all the parents said, By the way, whose responsibility is it to teach your kids the Word? Is it the children's church leader or the youth pastor or the pastors? Now, we do our best. But we have them one or two hours a week. You have them the rest of the time. It's your responsibility. It's your duty. And we will help you any way we can to instill the Word into your children. So critical, especially in the day in which we live. But if you want to become wise, learn to look. Look what the wisest man we believe who ever lived said. Verse 8 of Proverbs, back in Proverbs now, 1. My son, hear the instruction of whom? Hear the instruction of whom? Your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother. How many of you are familiar with the law of your mother? Probably most of you. The instruction of your father and the law of your mother. Mom's rules are the, the last word in the house, right? So when, mom, when dad and mom speak, now, now let me give you just a little bit of wisdom here. Do you know why God gave you parents? Now, don't answer that too fast. It's not to make your life miserable and to um, keep you from having all the fun that your friends are having. If you have a parent that tells you no, thank God, especially in this society. If your parent, if you go to your parent and they say, so-and-so is doing this, can I go? And they say no, be thankful. Be thankful. Because they know things that you don't. I know you think you know it all, but you don't. Do you know why God gave you parents? Well, there's a lot of reasons. You wouldn't be here otherwise. You can think about that. But listen to this. God gave you parents so that when you learn to listen to them, you will learn to listen to Him. Let that sink in a minute. The contrary is, if you don't ever learn to listen to your parents, you're probably not going to learn to listen to God. If you do, it'll be through a lot of heartache and hardship that you didn't have to go through if you had only listened. God gives you parents to teach you how to listen to Him. See, they give you instruction, they give you wisdom they, they can see down the road. They've been where you are. I know that's hard to believe, but they have. They know 
what you're going through, and they can weigh it all. You're in the, the rush of the moment, and you think, I, I just want to do this. And they say, wait a minute, you better think about it. Son, did you think about it? I know, I know. No, you don't. Wipe that response from your vocabulary. Listen. Even if you don't do what they say even later in life, you better listen to people who are older and wiser. So, you don't learn to to listen to your parents, very likely you'll never learn to listen to God. It's a training time in your life so that you learn to go right to the source of God Himself and you learn that your parents are vessels to help you learn and, and to teach you so that you can learn to listen to God for yourself. Mark Twain said, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to be around the old man. When I got to be 21, I was astonished to see how much he'd learned in seven years. I think the age might be older than 21 now. You better listen. So, to be wise, do we want to be wise? Well, I hope you do. Listen to the Word. Learn to feed yourself. Listen to your parents so that eventually you can learn yourself to listen to God. Well, let me tell you something. Here, here's my last bit of advice today. And it's more than advice. It's admonition from the Word of God. You will never be able to listen to God unless you have a personal relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, His Son. You go to unsaved people, and they get up and talk about this book, they don't have a clue what they're talking about and what it means. And they might wax eloquent, they might convince you, they don't have a personal relationship with God, they have no clue what they're talking about. And you can open this book and just, you know, I know people that say, I'm going to open it and I'm going to put my finger on a verse. Don't do that, by the way. Read the whole chapter, at least. But until you have a relationship with God and the Spirit of God indwells you so that you can be taught and so that 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 resident teacher can take this word and apply it, it's just words on a page. So why would anyone be foolish enough to reject a relationship with the God of the universe. And yet people do. Increasingly, people do. When when you have a relationship with God and you can come to His Word and you know who He is and you know what He's done and He's your Heavenly Father and you know He loves you and He cares about you and He wouldn't dare give you any advice that didn't come directly from Him, you can come with confidence to His Word and say, Okay, Father, I learned from my Father to listen to You. Because I now realize that's the source of His wisdom. Is He perfect? No. But Your Heavenly Father is. And you better listen. You should want to listen. And I'll leave you with the advice of my grandfather. Every decision you make has consequences. Every decision. You better choose wisely.
make your bed hard, you have to sleep in it. But, by the same token, you can make the right decisions if you seek God in every situation and He is more than willing to help you and to love you through it and even to forgive you when you don't listen. So let's bow this morning and here's what I want you to do. First of all, I want you to search your heart to make sure you have a personal relationship with God. Now, if you're young, don't say what your parents have said about when you were saved if you were very young. You need to go back and find out what you really believe. You know, it could be that you made a decision, but now you're a little older and you're thinking, was that decision real? Did I really understand? And if I didn't, I want to. There's no shame in that. In fact, that's smart. That's wise. That's, that's all important to know why do I have a personal relationship? Do I have a personal relationship with God? Do I interact with Him on a daily basis and He with me? Is it personal? If not, it's just words. You're not born a Christian. Become a Christian when you're born again into the family of God when you're saved by His grace. And you understand, can't save yourself. You don't deserve it. It's all of grace and God giving it to you and you just accepted it. Go back and think about that. Decisions you're making every day. I know it's tough at school. I can't imagine the culture and the environment that you live in. Sad. Tough. But know this. God can get you through it. Teachers and students. We need each other. And more than that, we need God and we need His wisdom. And it's ours for the seeking. Will we seek Him? We want to help you. We want you to make the right choices and to look back on life with no regrets. It's possible. It's probable if you walk with God and you seek His wisdom. You just ask an older person who has their life together spiritually. They'll tell you more than I can. Because... They know the source. So, Father, we thank you, our Father, for wisdom that only you have. This world thinks it knows so much. There are people in this world who think they are so intelligent and so, and they are. They are intelligent, but they're not wise. If they were wise, they'd be pointing people to you instead of away from you. We live in that kind of world and it's increasingly true that the people who talk the most probably have the least to say. So help us to hear well and to think and to discern and to compare and to ask and to say, I heard this today. Is that true? Does this make sense? Lord, we need... You and we need people you've put in our life to help us become wise. First of all, wise unto salvation. And then wise in the decisions that we make in this life so that we can stand before you and say, Lord, I consulted you on every decision that I made. And I made the right one because you led me. That's what we want to do. None of us are perfect. We make mistakes. We make wrong decisions. But you're gracious 
to forgive and even overcome the decisions that we made directly against you because you're a gracious God and we're thankful. We need you and we need your wisdom. Help us to learn. We ask these things today in Jesus' name.